we are back with the Saxo Market Call, and um, <clears throat> today's episode is with uh, Ulis Hansen. We're going to talk about not fi- commodities, not commodities, fixed income, because Altia is not around. She will be back next week to talk about fixed income, and we recorded our first version with the new format yesterday. Um, the sound quality can be a little bit better. We will be improving that together with Sharo, so that will be taken care of in the in the future. But uh, quickly back to the fixed income markets, because um, that is what we, you and I all we're going to talk about. And if we reflect back on, you know, post the Jackson Hole um, symposium, then what we can see is that the if you look at the 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 forward curves, both on the uh, the SOFA contracts, but also what is called the Euro STR contracts, which is the equivalent pricing of ECB policy, we can see that the the curves have have moved higher. So in in you know the market is pricing um, a lower probability of a of a rate hike, and we had the RBA reporting or not you know announcing no hike um, today. Um, so basically a hawkish pause. So they're keeping all their options open. And I think the RBA is probably a blueprint for what we can expect potentially from the ECB and uh, and the Fed. So we have moved into this period where potentially we have this peak rates and hawkish pauses. And then the, the central banks will look at, at, at macro data and take their, their cue from from that. Um, so that is where we are right now and um, what, what, what do you think about fixed income? Well, I think it's important to, to note that when uh, the, the reason why we call it a hawkish pause is simply the fact that the, the, these central banks cannot say we're going to keep rates and we're going to focus on when we can uh, cut rates because then the market will say, well, they're not preempt a cut uh, the same day and that's clearly not the, the, the exercise. They want to, uh, they want to, to plateau rates for, uh, for, for a period of time, uh, watch incoming data, before they make the decision about the eventual cut. So they, they have to keep the market guessing and uh, also keep the market in, in a little bit of a suspense, uh, maybe just uh, still having this uh, the threat of be, uh, potentially hiking rates again. So, uh, But I think central banks are clearly moving towards a, a softening stance. Uh, we, we got the we got data economic-wise uh, slowing. We got, uh, we got yields at levels which are only now starting to really impact the the economy um, with with mortgages and refinancing and so on. So, so the impact of the, the this aggressive rate hike regime is, is has only really started to be impact, be felt and and that will take time and it will it will have a negative impact or it will have a dampening impact on on economic activity uh, and what we also have seen from this peak rate narrative building is that we had a, a bull steepening move um over the past week um between the two and the 10 year in the in the treasury market and um yeah so the the, the curve is flattening a little bit here and um yeah, and and you can also say the inflation the inflation swaps at least in the in the US and also in Europe are quite uh, quite stable at this point. They are, and they have been stable for a long time. Basically, it's indicating that the market is buying into the uh, to the central bank's ability to bring inflation down to the long term targets, and uh, and I think I think that at any given time will be the big discussion: is that really possible? I think we're all watching uh, crude oil prices right now. Uh, uh, once again, returning to ninety dollars, we are now uh, we're now up on the year and year. Uh, we're seeing several commodities starting to move into the into the black uh, on a year and year basis. So they will start to. Well, there's been some some uh, providing some 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 tailwind for for low inflation in recent months. That that will slowly start to uh, to uh, to turn around. And, and the question is really then, uh, from a central bank perspective, will you allow inflation to be at a higher level and start uh, pausing or perhaps even start cutting rates? With the, so otherwise, the risk could be an economic downturn, which they don't want to experience at the same time. So, um, so yeah, it's it's um, it's a tight rope, um, a tight walk. The next 
the next, uh, I would say, three to six months in terms of what's going to happen there. But uh, we we see the yields. Uh, we we did the, see that thirty basis point drop after the Jackson Hole, as we had these uh, weaker than expected U.S. Uh, numbers. And then on Friday, with the job report still showing strength, and I think it was the consumer confidence that came out late in the day, which was also on the strong side, we, we've seen uh, the yields move, uh, retrace half of the, uh, the the drop we saw in that, that period. So, um, so again, a market just extremely data-dependent. Yeah, and we can say, I mean, we, we've, you know, this stagflation light uh, outlook that we have put out, I mean, what we can say is that the, the fiscal impulse in, in the U.S. will begin to be negative compared to the period over the past year that we have been seeing with a massive fiscal impulse coming from the Biden, the three Biden uh, spending bills that have really increased uh, a lot of uh, a lot of tail, uh, tailwinds uh, for um, for the U.S. economy. And, and as a result, as I talked with Sharo on the po- podcast yesterday, we talked about this fact that the Fed have probably been forced to hike the interest rates much higher than 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 normal because of the Biden administration's uh, fiscal spending bills. And um, the you know the way we look at the market right now with this stagflation light, you know, the difficult thing here is getting all these lags correct on the economy because it's uh, you know there the, this cycle is very different because there's a much bigger gap because of inflation between the nominal and real GDP. We had the uh, the pandemic. We have had these uh, bottlenecks in the supply chains. So we have had all these ripple effects in our global economy, making it extremely difficult for the central banks to get the things right. It's also difficult for investors to get it right. But we 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 quite constructive on uh, on bond on bonds at this point in time, given our stagflation light um, view. And if we if we trust the forward curve on the sofa, I and mean, the market is is clearly betting that 2024 will see. Um, basically, the the opening window for the Fed to begin cutting uh, cutting interest rates. Um, so um, so that's I think is is still on the uh, on the table. And otherwise, I think the we are moving into a period where it 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 will become very much about you know data dependency. Are we having a soft landing, or will we suddenly be surprised and we we have not a soft landing, but actually maybe an economy that will begin to to suffer from these high interest rates. Mm-hmm. We we're not seeing it yet in credit markets, but um, you know we could. And China, as I see it, is still uh, is still an X factor as well. Yeah, and and, and uh, looking at those uh, sofa contracts, I think it's uh, I still have to get used to that name because I, I'm a, <laughs> I'm an old hack, so I've been used to the euro dollar futures since they were trading uh, open outcry in the pits in Chicago. But the sofa contracts. Uh, the, I think it's really uh, you, if you haven't got it already, you should have some like the June 2024 contract on your screen uh, because it really it 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 potentially it could be where we could see some fireworks if suddenly the the, the mood turns a bit more gloomy uh, in terms of uh, the economic outlook and with that the potential for for rate cuts. So so it's most certainly one you should uh, you should have on your on your radar in 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 the coming months and. Uh, yeah, uh, we get the question uh, regularly whether is this time to move into bonds. I think yes, but then the next question: Well, how far the curve should I go? And it's, it's obviously very easy just to uh, to put someone into a two year two year income a two year fixed income investment that gives you uh, not not far from five percent, having been used to almost nothing for the past couple of decades. But further out the curve, uh, four plus percent in the ten year. Yeah, that's really the uh, that's really where the the, uh, the 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 fireworks could could emerge over over the coming months, but I, th- I think overall we I know from I know our, our CIO Steen Jacobs and he he thinks the long end is uh, is close to a steal at this moment in time. That's obviously not a buy recommendation, but uh, we are watching that that far end because if we do get that 
if we do get that deflation light, then uh, then 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 we could see some some interesting developments there. <clears throat> and that what what could cre- create this uh, stagflation light uh, scenario? That is, of course, that you know if the economy suddenly begins to perform or or slow down significantly from here, investors obviously will 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 flow into into safe havens, and that will include the entire uh, treasury curve. And because of the long end has a high duration, it will respond more on the upside to to lower interest rates. And we and and this and the stag, you know the inflation part of the stagflation. Obviously, it's down to this fact. I had this conversation with Steen the other day. You know, if you if you look at the the long run inflation in the broad U.S. services sector, it's been around three between three and three and a half percent, give or take, over a couple of decades. So the only reason why we haven't had a higher structural inflation level in the world is because of the goods economy, mm. and that's a function of the of globalization. And we basically got China to become the world's uh, factory, producing a lot of goods at extremely low. Uh, you know, out, at, at very low output uh, cost prices, and um, a lot of reasons for that. And I saw Reuters today were also, you know, uh, writing an article about very, very, um, <laughs> very worsening conditions for auto workers. Um, they compared it to the period in, back in 2017, where it, it was actually quite a well-paid job with great bonuses. And right now, there's a huge overcapacity. Only f- 54% of all uh, factory uh, capacity is being utilized in, in car manufacturing in China, and, and wages are coming are coming down. So right now there is a there's a little bit of deflation force on there, but it's it's part of our overall theme only mm. that if we have this fragmentation game going on, and 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 China will will be less of a factor in global manufacturing over the years, then potentially the goods inflation will will not be as low as we have been used to for three decades. And if you then compare it with the structural inflation level in the services sector, three percent, then we have. A structural inflation that will that will be higher than what we have used to. And if you are uh, and with the uh, the heavily heavily indebted uh, government debts we have right now, then uh, the question is really also from a central bank perspective. Uh, some inflation is is actually not a bad thing. So um, we'll see. But that 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 will be the that will be one of the uh, remains one of our, our our key focuses in the coming months. Whether whether this inflation continues to be or starts to become more sticky, and then how central banks uh, will respond to that. Exactly, and then <clears throat> when we talk about fixed income, I think it's important to uh, talk a little bit about credit markets because if there is a deterioration in the economic outlook and in the fixed income market, it will show its face in the in the credit markets uh, first. And um, I was looking at the JP JP Morgan Global uh, Corporate High Yield Spread um, to worst, and that is actually the cl- the lowest it has been since the Fed started its very aggressive cycle, and that corresponds very well with the U.S. Financial Conditions Index, which is also uh, at close to the lowest before the cycle, uh, the rate cycle began, and 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 that is the interesting thing. That is the counter argument potentially to to rate cuts is that despite what we're seeing, we still have financial conditions that are quite easy. We are still getting the signal from the credit market that uh, things are, are calm, but um, those things, of course, can change very rapidly. And and I think China, um, we had Country Garden on our watch list. It's really the, the Chinese real estate um, development sector is still very weak. And Country Garden was had announced this grace or had got this grace period from creditors on a, on an um, on a, I think a twenty two million dollar coupon that was due. And um, there was a lot of nervousness in the market whether they could actually pay that, or, and if not, would that trigger some ty- some type of a liquidity event in the market? But um, we got the news today that um, they did actually pay that uh, those 
$22 million uh, on that coupon. So for the time being, we we have avoided uh, a catastrophic scenario in China, but I still think that China is very much something to to watch if you are interested in uh, in, uh, in fixed income. Ole, we, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I mean, you look at this weekly cut report. Maybe mm. you should explain to the listeners, and maybe if we have new listeners, uh, what is the weekly cut report? And what are you seeing when it relates to fixed income? Yeah, well, the the cut report relates to the the futures markets of um, of the of this world, and that's anything from uh, from uh, FX futures to uh, commodities uh, to bonds. Uh, I'm sure you're all familiar with two year, five year, ten year notes uh, futures. They've been trading for for decades. And um, what happens on a weekly basis is that the the major players uh, with with big positions they have to report to the CFTC on a weekly basis the positions they hold and uh, and the the client that's not the actual name of the client but the what client segment holds that uh, those positions because the futures market is is a zero sum for every long there's a short uh, that's basically it so um, so that gives the gives us a, a, f- a weekly snapshot of who's holding what in commodities is a little bit more simple because uh, in commodities uh, you have one part which is speculators and then you have uh, producers and and uh, and and more sticky uh, position holders on the other side but speculators obviously they tend to be price sensitive and so they'll they'll uh, build positions and reduce position maybe go short if the if the price action tells them that's the right that the right thing to do in the fixed income there's the the futures market is often where you go to as a as a hedging vehicle if you have an underlying position you have have spread so you have you have corporate bonds with you on the heads and uh, and so on and so forth so it's it's difficult to 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 pinpoint exactly what's uh, what the actual position in the market but what we do note and what we have found in over this uh, past uh, many months is that the that the the two major players when you come to this segmentation in the futures market one is the leverage funds which is hedge funds and CTAs on one hand the other hand is asset managers asset managers they are cash they're real money buyers and uh, they they tend to be a bit more sticky they have monthly inflows of, of cash that needs to be invested they're putting them to work in the bond market now the interest rates are or yields have moved to these uh, these levels which obviously much more attractive than they have been and on the other hand, we have the short position, which is leverage funds, and that it's raised a lot of discussion about. Oh my God, they uh, they are. This is really uh, this could could set up a massive squeeze if uh, yields suddenly start to drop. I think the main thing is to understand that a lot of this short is probably not held as a naked short uh, in belief of higher yields. It's held as uh, lots of different uh, spreads against corporate bonds or even the an, an old favorite, uh, which is. Uh, which has started to turn up in in recent tra- recent months has been basis trades. Basically, a lot of uh, older dated coupons or bonds in the U.S. They 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 are price wise they have they are they have not been keeping up with the uh, with the uh, with the, uh, the 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 when issued or the the recent most recently issued. So there's some some spreads that to be be found. So you're, they're buying the they're buying these older bonds, which are, tend to be quite often be a little bit illiquid, and they're selling futures against it just to capture that spread. So, um, so that just highlights uh, some of the some of the developments. But uh, what we find, uh, and uh, it is a large position. If I just look at the the position the leverage funds hold in thirty year bonds and thirty year ultra futures, that combined uh, position is worth one hundred ninety four million dollars per basis point. So obviously it's a massive it's a massive position and and uh, but so it basically one we should keep an eye on it because obviously if we do have for for whatever reason a sudden spike or a sudden drop in yields then obviously there will be positions that are caught offside and that could trigger quite a quite a move in the market so um, so still worth keeping an eye on. All right, I think that's um, that's a wrap for today's uh, podcast. So 
Take a look at the uh, the cut report. Take a look at the long end of the yield curve. We remain positive and construction uh, constructive on fixed income, especially the long end of the uh, the yield curve. Signals still coming calm out of the uh, out of the credit market. Um, and then, of course, watch uh, watch China and uh, and Country Garden. I think that's uh, that's an important one still. And then tomorrow. I will be back on the Saxo Market Call and I will have a, a host, Oscar, with me and we'll talk about equities and I think actually we're going to talk about some very interesting things, Adobe earnings and ARM IPOs. So what's not to like if you like equities? And commodities on Thursday. Tomorrow, commodities on Thursday. Thank you very much for listening.